they don't buy ski resorts to keep them as they are. They buy the ski resorts to, to make them bigger. And that's exactly what we want. We want the Valle Nevado to grow. We have a very big terrain. We have a lot of places to grow. And we have a, something that the, our neighbors don't have. That is that we are higher and we are south face. We receive more snow and the snow in our case lasts more than the two. Welcome to the storm. I'm your host, Stuart Winchester. Hello, South America. How you doing down there in wintertime? We will find out today. First, though, a reminder to please visit stormskiing.com and subscribe to the Storm Skiing newsletter. The podcast is just a small part of the storm. In fact, the podcast is just a small part of the podcast. There is an article on stormskiing.com that accompanies this and every podcast episode, which includes maps, photos, facts, and tons of additional context on our conversation. But that is just the beginning. I am sending out a minimum of 100 articles every single year exploring the world of lift surf skiing in North America. And those will arrive directly in your email inbox when you subscribe to the Storm Skiing Newsletter. Stop getting your ski news from Facebook. Get it from the Storm Skiing Newsletter instead. You can also follow the storm on Twitter, Instagram, or now threads at Storm Ski Journal. Before we get to Valle Nevado, here is a quick word from my partner, Aspenware. Close your ticket windows with Aspenware. Aspenware is the leading e-commerce solution, purpose-built for the mountain resort industry. They create robust platforms that drive revenue while providing a seamless online experience for resort guests. Utilize their extensive experience within the mountain resort industry, Aspenware creates customized e-commerce platforms that ensure guests spend more time doing what they love and less time standing in lines or booking their trip online. One client found such success with Aspenware's e-commerce solution that they were able to reduce their ticket windows from 13 down to just two. The resort then reassigned those staff members into positions where they could actively engage with guests and bring value to other areas of the resort. Based in Denver, Colorado, Aspenware stands apart as an innovator. They understand the value that software and technology bring to a mountain resort, and they strive to create solutions so good they seem invisible. Visit Aspenware.com to learn more. Episode 137, Ricardo Margulis, General Manager of Valle Nevado, Chile. Here we go, South America. The ski season has gotten rolling in the Southern Hemisphere over these past few weeks, and I could not be more hyped for the ski community south of the equator. And while most of us are going to have to wait until November to make turns again, I figured I'd get us as close as I could to the energy that is ski season. And where better than the first South American ski area to join the roster of a U.S.-based ski company? Earlier this year, Mountain Capital Partners, the owners of Arizona Snowball, Purgatory Colorado, Lee Canyon Nevada, and a half dozen other ski areas in the American West, took majority ownership of Bay Nevado. Now, this ski area already had the attention of North American operators. It is a longtime member of both the Icon Pass and the Mountain Collective. 
In fact, it is the only South American resort on either pass, which is amazing when you consider what a tremendous ski culture exists in the Andes Mountains. But there are reasons why Bayou Nevado has staked out such an aggressive position on the international ski scene. It's big, it's dramatic, and it's led by a man who knows how to get things done. Let's go. My guest today has been general manager of Bayou Nevado, Chile since 2007. Located just 37 miles from Santiago, the largest city in Chile and the sixth largest in South America, Valle Nevado features 16 lifts and 44 trails on a 2,658-foot vertical drop. With an additional 20,000-plus acres served by helicopter, Valle Nevado is the largest ski area in the Americas. He is also a commercial engineer at the University of Chile and a past president of the Board of Chile Tourism. Ricardo Margulis is my guest. Ricardo, welcome to the storm. I am so excited to talk South American skiing with you today. How are you doing this morning? Hi, Stuart. Uh, nice to be with you today. I'm very good. I'm here in the in Valle Nevado in this moment in my office, uh, looking at the snow-covered mountains. And I'm very happy to, to be with you and, and to, to talk and, and to let our your uh, the people that uh, know a little bit more about the, our resort. I'm so excited to hear that, Ricardo. You know, I think that you're in a better spot than most folks listening to this because it is winter for you. And I understand that you opened last week on Wednesday, June 28th. What was the energy like at on opening day this year? Well, it's interesting because we were supposed to open on, on a Friday, 23 of June. And we couldn't open it that day because we, are, we were in the middle of a snowstorm. That was a, a special snowstorm also because the, the temperature in, in Santiago was very high in, also here in the mountain. So it snowed, it rained, that it's something very strange. It never rains here. And uh, then it wow. snowed again. And uh, we received this, uh, <clears throat> enough uh, snow to, to open. And then we worked a lot uh, from the Saturday 24 until uh, uh, Wednesday 28. And we opened... Uh, uh, on that Wednesday, and the energy was, uh, everybody was very anxious, everybody was, you know, we we were like the horses in the, at the starting place in the in the horse race, you know. Huh? Right. Raring to go. So how has the snow been since? How are conditions on the mountain? The snow conditions are very good. We didn't receive too much snow in the base, we received only 24, 25 inches, but in the upper parts of the resort we had uh, more than 30 inches. And because of the of the mixture of uh, snow and a little bit of rain, it was a humid uh, snow, so it could work on it. Uh, it packed very well, and now we have a lot of uh, all the trails are in very good conditions. I've been skiing since uh, last Wednesday almost every day, and uh, I can tell you that it's it's been very 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 good, very well groomed. We don't have too much powder because of the humidity, but the trails that are groomed are in a very good condition. The people is very happy. Our customers are very happy. And we are in much better conditions than our neighbors. That uh, Because of our altitude, uh, we receive more snow than them. So how does this compare to a typical early season for you, Ricardo? Normally, we open between June 15 to June uh, 20, 20, 22, 23. So this year, we, it took us a little bit late. Uh, it took us a little bit more, more time than uh, normal. But uh, in this year, uh, we open in a very good conditions. 
and uh, we open with uh, our three hotels in 100% occupation. So it's uh, very challenging because we didn't have a uh, time to, you know, we, we work with a lot of uh, temporary staff. So uh, they didn't have too much time to train on, on the operation. They had to go into the operation uh, in a minute. But yeah, we are a customer. Our, our permanent staff is accustomed to that. So we have very good supervisors and, and, and we did it with no problem. We are very happy with the results that we have had uh, since uh, last Wednesday until uh, today. And, and we are looking to into the future that we are going to have a, a very good system. So it sounds like a great start, Ricardo, despite the late open. For anyone listening who's thinking about skiing Valle Nevado in 2023, what time of year would you recommend they come down and check it out? Well, uh, especially for the Americans, the best conditions are in July and August. We receive many Americans here in the hotels during August mainly. Huh? Uh, but uh, July and August are, are our best uh, month because of the weather, because of the temperature, because if they want, if they like to do heli ski, we have a very good heli ski. Uh, the snow is very good. We have powder, and later on September we still have a lot of snow, but it becomes to transform and it, it becomes to be more spring snow. So if you like spring snow, the the September snow is very good. But the best snow is uh, mid August. So mid-August for powder, what is your target closing day, Ricardo? Well, our target closing day is uh, October 1st, but it depends on the snow that we have. I, I hope that we could uh, extend it to uh, October 8th. In a very good year, we have uh, also close on October 15th, but uh, if we can reach to October 8th, it would be a very good date for us. And our target is October 1. And do the hotels stay open until then? The target closing date for the hotels is September 24, but it could be extended uh, if we have a, a ski teams a training here in Valle Nevado. We receive a, a many national ski teams that come to Chile to, to train, to be prepared for the Northern Hemisphere winter competitions. And for them, the snow conditions that are in those uh, times of the year that is very icy in the morning and uh, transformed during the day is, is very good for them because they train very early. And uh, if we have teams after the September 24, we are going to have the hotels open for them and then obviously open for, uh, for uh, other customers. So Ricardo, you mentioned that you receive a lot of American visitors at Valle Nevado. I imagine that that flow of international visitors was disrupted during our past few COVID seasons. Just take us through this. How did your mix of international visitors change for 2020, 2021, 2022? And how nice is it to get everyone back? Well, it's uh, for us was very, COVID world has a very huge impact because on, on 2020, Chile was closed. We, we couldn't open uh, on, on 2020. People were uh, in, in, in the homes. We, we could open at the end of August and uh, only during the weekdays. And so uh, we didn't open on that, that year. And, uh, and it has, it had a very, uh, important impact on us in financially and in, in all other aspects. On 2021, the borders were still closed, so we didn't receive uh, international visitors. On 2022, uh, borders were open, but with many restrictions. So we received visitors from uh, Brazil, the United States, Europe, but not in the same amount that we are 
uh, a customer to, to, to receive. This year, because the borders are completely open and we have no restrictions to receive visitors from any part of, of the world, uh, we are going to receive uh, as many visitors from abroad that we used to receive uh, on 2019 or 2018. And for example, the North American market, we had a target for a hotel guest in the American market and we are 10% over. Today we have reservations, 10% over that uh, that target. So we think that the American market and Brazilian market, our, our main international market is Brazilian market. They represent about 50, 55% of our hotel guests come from that, uh, from that market. And uh, they are coming a lot. They are very interested in coming to ski. The United States visitors are the second and the most important market. And they, as I mentioned before, they, they have, they, we are very good in reservations there. Ski teams also, we have, we have, we have a target and we are over that target too. So we think that this year, uh, the international visitors are going to be as good as they used to be before the, 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 the COVID. We also receive many international visitors that they don't lodge here in, in Valle Nevado, but they stay, they stay in Santiago and they come for the day. And they are mainly Brazilians, but there are a lot of uh, Americans who also rent places in Farriones or close uh, places and come for the day. So for us, the international market is not important on, only in what is respect to the hotel guests, but uh, also in the day visitors because we have 20% of our day visitors are from the international market. That's amazing to hear that your tourist mix is recovering, Ricardo. You mentioned the financial troubles when you couldn't open for 2020. Talk about the psychological part of that. How did that impact how you felt and, and how the staff felt? And then how good does it feel to have everyone back? Well, it was very tough, you know, because uh, COVID was something absolutely unexpected for everybody, uh, for everybody in around the world. It's something that started in, in China and it was something strange happening and some, uh, suddenly it spread all around the world. And some countries were more strict in the conditions. In, in our case, Chile was very strict in the conditions. And uh, we have to we have to be for more than three or four months uh, uh, in our homes. We couldn't go out. Or we, we have to have uh, permissions to go to the supermarket and, so, and do some things like that. And uh, so it, uh, psychologically, it was uh, very tough because uh, we were not prepared for that. And in my case, as the, as the CEO of the company, I have also the responsibility to have the, the staff morale in, in a high level because uh, we needed to work, we, we needed to do things here in, in the mountain, we needed to do the maintenance and things, keep the, the people uh, uh, motivated to continue in the, in the company. And then when we open uh, next summer, uh, our summer, summer of 2021, uh, your winter, uh, we start doing some uh, uh, summer operation. We, we operate the bike park here. So the, the, the people was uh, very motivated to, to come back. And when we could open the resort on 2021, and, 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 and excuse me, you know, the funny thing is that 2020, that we were close, was a very good year in terms of snowfall. Huh? Oh. One, one of the best years in the last 10 years. Oh. <laughs> and, and we were close. 
it's you know Murphy law. You know it's a and when we could open in 2021, people were very happy to to be back on the mountain. People were very happy to be receiving our customers. And uh, past two years and. And now we are operating full capacity and with and all the staff and people is very motivated and that we are back, completely back because we are also recovered from our financial issues. And so we are in a very good moment now. That's amazing to hear, Ricardo. And I'm so happy for you and for the staff and the whole community that you're able to get back to business at full power. You know, I mentioned in the introduction that you've been leading Bali Nevado since 2007. You have a really interesting background. Take us back here, Ricardo. Where did you grow up? Did you grow up skiing? Well, I grew up, I, I was born and grew up in Santiago. <clears throat> My family is from Santiago. I went to high school, elementary, high school and university in Santiago. <clears throat> I grew up skiing, yes, because my father skied. And my, my father's family, they, and from my mother's family too, all my uncles, they all, all ski. So my, my cousins, everybody in my family ski. So I learned to ski when I was a, a kid. And uh, we used to have also, <clears throat> my family used to have a house in Farellones. And so for me, the, the ski and the mountain was a part of my life since I was a kid. Uh, when I was 22 or 23, they sold the, that house. But I continued skiing for, I was a day skier. I, <clears throat> I, I normally used to rent a, a, an apartment or, or a house for uh, for winter vacation to come with my, my, my wife, my kids, my, my, my kids, all of them. Are skiers or snowboarders very very good at it and um, I've been in the part of a skiing not in the ski industry as, a, as, a, as someone who works but part of the ski industry as part of a skier you know I have many friends ski pals since I was 10 and I still ski with them for me it's very it's a very important part of my of my life I enjoy it very much so skiing was always a big part of your life it took you a while to work that into your career though Tell us about your career and the different jobs you had, and then ultimately how you ended up working in skiing. Yeah, it's interesting because when I finished my university, I started working in a shipping company uh, in finance. I worked there for two years, and then I moved to a bank, Banco de Chile, one of the most important banking, private bankings in Chile. And I worked there for, I don't know, maybe three or four years. And then I moved to work to a real estate company that was owned for by one of my mother's brothers. I worked with him for a long time. And then I, when I, I quit working with him, I, I was working on real estate as an advisor and I, I, uh, from different companies. And, and one of the companies that hired me to, to help them with the project that they were starting to build in, in, in a place near to Santiago was from one of the owners of Valle Nevada. And uh, we started a relation, and that uh, was a very good relation. And suddenly, one day, he called me to his office, and uh, he said to me, how is, are you very occupied? Are you very busy in your business? And it was a moment in, in, in the economy in Chile that the, the economy was a little bit slow, especially in the real estate business. And he said to me, would you like to be part to be in charge of this? And he showed me a picture of Valle Nevada and a building in Valle Nevada. And I said, what do you mean? Would you like to be the real the, the, the general manager of our real estate company in Bañanaba? And I said, wow, this makes something, two things that I, I, I do, that I like to do. I like, I like to ski and I like the real estate business because I, I have a good experience on that. 
And uh, yeah, I said, okay, it's, it's okay with me. He said to me, you have uh, two responsibilities. Mainly one is that uh, to finish the buildings that we're, the condominiums that we're building and sell them. And the other one is that you have to make a development of the resort master plan. And so I started working in the master plan of the resort and I had to work very tight with the general manager of the company. We traveled to, to the States. We hired a company in Canada, Ecosign. Uh, maybe you know them, uh, to, to help us to start working in our master plan. And I visited a couple of ski resorts in the United States and in Canada. After a couple of years, they changed the, the general manager of the company. And uh, in the meanwhile that they were away looking for a, a new general manager, they asked me if I would like to be, if I could be the interim uh, general manager while they were looking for a new one. I said, okay, it's okay for me. And uh, when I, we were approaching to the 2007 winter, uh, they asked me to, to continue to be interim general manager during the season. And I said to them, no, I'm, I'm not disposed to that because uh, I think that during the season, the general manager has to be with all the power. An interim general manager has the power. So they said, okay, okay. The board of the company, they meet and they, they said to me, would you like to be the general manager? of the Pagan and all the all the business, the real estate and the hotels and the and as I have been in, very involved in the in the management of the, of the ski resort because of the master planning process, I said okay and then I I became a general manager of Pagan thinking that it would be for a short while. Then we it's been close to I don't know, sixteen or seventeen years. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm still here. I'm still here. Huh? You know, it's <laughs> you know, and I and I love it. I think that uh, after Bayanevao, I'm going to I'm going to retire. I'm going to do other things. I I don't think I'm going to be an an employee again. But uh, this is the this is the best way to to finish a, a professional career because it's a unique uh, uh, industry. Is uh, with a lot of challenge, but uh, it's something that I love. My family loves it. It's been part of my life. I I think that the, the best things I've done. Professionally, I've done here in the snow industry. Did you move your family up to the resort or do you still live down in Santiago? No, they still they live in Santiago, but they come during the weekend days. They come up uh, on Friday nights and go down to Santiago on Sunday nights because they now they work, so they have things to do during the week. I stay in the mountains at least four to five day, days of the week. I, I'm here in the mountain and a couple of days in Santiago because I have to do things uh, down there too. Yeah. But uh, it's very close. You, you've been here. Uh, Valle Nevado is uh, one hour, 15, one hour, 13 minutes from Santiago uh, by car. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Valle Nevado and how it came to be. Most of my listeners are in North America and may not be familiar with this resort. So it's pretty new. As far as ski resorts go, it was founded in the late 1980s. What can you tell us, Ricardo, about who founded Valle Nevado and why they chose this location? Well, it's a very interesting uh, story because, you know, Valle Nevado, you've been in El Colorado, you you, you mentioned that. And uh, in El Colorado, if you are in uh, in the top of El Colorado, in the El Cono Este, that is the steepest uh, trail that they have, there was a guy, an architect, a Chilean architect, that uh, went to, he studied architecture in Chile, but he made an specialization in France, in Grenoble. And then there he uh, met the guys who were the owners and the builders of Les Arcs, the, the ski resort in France. And he used to ski in El Colorado. And when he was skiing in El Colorado, he looked at this valley and he always said, 
to, to himself, wow, this is the best place to have a, a ski resort in Chile because it's, we are opposite to you. In, in your case, it's North Face, the best way. In our case, it's South Face. The, because Valle Nevado is South-oriented, especially almost all of the trails. So he took contact with these uh, French uh, with the French people that he, he knew and, and he proposed them to build a ski resort here in Chile. And uh, the first owners of the ski resort of Bayonebao were uh, was a French company. It's funny because it was a construction company that they were building a, a you know a dam in Chile, a very big one, and uh, they have all the machinery and they make a, a, a partnership with Lesarc this Chilean architecture company and the construction company that was called Spiva Dignol. And they made Valle Nevado and they opened it at, at the end of the 80s in, in 1988. A couple of years later, it happened that the company that owned Valle Nevado, Spiva Dignol, was acquired by another company in France, a much bigger company, an entry company. And when they were doing the due diligence of the purchase, they noted that there was a in, in, in the assets was a ski resort in South America and they were not interested in, in running the ski, ski resort in South America. So they decided to sell it. And there were two families in Chile, one of them that was in the hotel business and the other one that was in the real estate business. And they make an association and they bought, they all love to ski. They all, they were very fanatic of the ski. So they, they offered them the, the possibility of purchasing the Valle Nevado. They, they went to France and they made a, a, an offer. And they, well, it was a negotiation process and they bought Valle Nevado at the end of the 90s. In 1998 was the first year that they opened the, the, the resort. And uh, the two families uh, were together until 2021. Then one of the families kept with the company and uh, that's the family, the Sennerman family, that they made the deal with MCP that are now are the actual, not the only owners, but because but they own a very big percentage of, of the resort. And the local family, the Chilean family, owns a, a minor percentage. Huh? So the resort is a little bit more than 30 years. As you mentioned, it's a, it's, we are a junk resort in terms of... Uh, but uh, we have a very important developing uh, and, and growing process because we grew a lot. Uh, when they made Valle Nevado, they thought Valle Nevado was a resort only for international visitors and only with uh, hotels, not many day users. It didn't work as the French wanted because they thought that the French were going to come to ski here. But you know, the people in Europe, they don't ski during their summer. Uh, they prefer to go to the to the beach. In the case of the Americans, because maybe of the time uses, we, we are in in a very similar time use. Uh, and very easy to for the Americans to come is a night flight, and they they arrive to Chile at seven a.m. and at ten they are skiing. So they decide to to open the resort to day users, and then the the family, the Chilean family that bought the, the resort, they decide to go into a real estate developing uh, process to build condominiums and to have more warm beds here, you know, to have the, the resort more busy, more more uh, occupied during the weekdays, not only with the day users that come from Santiago by the day, but also with people lodging here and not, uh, not in the hotels because uh, it's more uh, efficient uh, economically 
to have a not a, a resort that works only for three months, but to have a apartments that uh, we can have a property management company that, that operates it, and and that's where what we start to do it in the. When I when I became the the real estate manager in 2003, and we have built a lot of condominiums since then, and we have a lot of uh, apartments since then. So that's quite an interesting history. And as you mentioned earlier this year, Mountain Capital Partners, which for the listeners who are not familiar, is a U.S. based company which also owns several ski resorts in the Southwest United States, Arizona Snowball, Purgatory, Brian Head in Utah, and a bunch of others, which I'll lay out in the article that accompanies this podcast on stormskiing.com. But tell us about Mountain Capital Partners, Ricardo, and how they ended up taking a majority ownership of Valley Nevada earlier this year. Well, it's it's interesting because on, on 2016, or, or at, at the end of 2015, the owners of the Valle Nevada, the, the two families, decided that they, went, they wanted to to incorporate in the property an uh, international operator, not only because of the money that they could uh, put on the resort, but also the experience that they could bring to us. Eh? They didn't want to to bring here an investor, you know, an investing fund or a, or a pension fund. Who no, they wanted some somebody with experience, and we hired in that opportunity a company CBRE to look for uh, investors in in worldwide. And they brought us uh, a couple of uh, groups, uh, especially from the United States, that came here. In, and one of those was uh, MCP. And uh, James Coleman, with, that is uh, president of the company, came to Valle Nevado. We had some meetings with him. But uh, in, in that moment, the owners of Valle Nevado had uh, an idea of the value of the company. Uh, and we didn't match with, with, with them. It, it was not a, a, a deal. But uh, James kept his interest on the company and uh, after the, the the covid when the company has uh, some uh, financial uh, important financial uh, problems we we had to go into a process similar to a chapter 11 process and uh, one of the things that we agreed with the creditors was that we had to look for a partner that come to the, the company bring some capital money and to pay important part of the debts and we took contact again with the CBRE and we said to them, we have to do this. Uh, why don't you help us again? And uh, the person in charge of the, this process in, in CBRE took contact with the MCP and said, are you still interested? Yeah, I'm still interested. And we had some meetings with, with them by Zoom. And then uh, in last June, last year, in 2022, uh, at, at the end of June, I traveled with one of the owners, uh, Chilean owners. We traveled to to the United States to meet with James Coleman and uh, and to knew some of his uh, resorts. We went to Purgatory, to Brian Head, and to Snowball. The the, 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 the three that you mentioned. Uh, it, it was summer, but we we he wanted us to to knew what kind of operations he he had, and it was very interesting because uh, it's a. Uh, their resorts are similar to us in the sense that it's not Bale, it's not Aspen, it's not a mammoth, you know, it's not a one million and a half skiers per day, per year. Uh, so it are resorts that are, are in, uh, in the same scale or in a similar scale than, than ours. And it was very interesting. We have a, we were with him traveling for uh, four days. We, we could meet, we could knew each other and, and we knew that we could work along with them. 
<clears throat> especially for the owners, because for MCB was very important that the Chilean owners stayed in the property because they they had not any other business in Chile. So for them, it was important to have partners in Chile. And uh, James Goleman, in that opportunity, asked me to if I wanted to stay in the in the company, and I said yes because I, I love the, the, the industry, I love Valle Nevado, and I wanted to be to see Valle Nevado again in the in the place that they used to be. So um, we start the negotiation with the banks and with the creditors, and uh, we finally agreed with them at, at the end of January, and the closing of the deal was at the, the end of March. And uh, well, now they are the owners of the highest percentage of the of the company, and we are very happy to be part of them. I every two weeks I have meetings with all of general managers of the, their resorts, and we think that the, their philosophy and the values that they try to share, the culture that they try to share, and, and that their resorts have, is very similar to ours. So it's been very nice for us to be working with them. It's obviously uh, it's a cultural thing because uh, you in the States have a culture. We in, in South America have a, a, a another culture. It's not that it's too different, but uh, there are some things that we have to learn to work together. But yes, it's been very, very, it's, it's been a very uh, nice experience since we started working together in late last March. And uh, they came a couple of weeks ago and they are going to be coming during the, during the season. And uh, they are very excited too. And uh, we are very excited too. We, I th we think that it's a it's a huge opportunity for us to grow uh, because they are very aggressive in investing and putting money, and they have a lot of ideas to make new things here in Bayanevao and snowmaking and ski lifts and make uh, the, the resort grow. They don't buy uh, ski resorts to keep them as they are. They buy the ski resorts to to make them bigger, and that's exactly what we wanted because. To uh, do what the, we had to do with the creditors in, in the terms of the Chapter 11, that was to bring a new uh, investor, uh, we could uh, have done it with a I don't know a, a, a pensions fund, and but they had put money and nothing else, and the Bayanevao will be the, the same forever, and, and we want the Bayanevao to grow. We have a, a very big terrain. We have a, a lot of uh, places to, to, to grow, and we have a, something that the, our neighbors don't have. That is that we have we are higher and we are south face. We receive more snow and the snow, in our case, lasts more than the, the other two. So MCP, as you mentioned, they have a reputation of buying ski areas and aggressively investing in them. Arizona Snowball, for example, was very run down when they purchased it. They've added four new lifts. They ran a snowmaking system several miles and several thousand vertical feet up from Flagstaff, which was an amazing feat of engineering. And it, it's something that not a lot of operators would have had the means or the know-how or the willingness to pull off. As you look at that history, Ricardo, and you contemplate how you would like to see Bayer Nevado grow, where do you want to see MCP direct their attention and their capital? In, in which ways specifically do you think the mountain could and should grow? Well, I think that uh, we have a very big terrain and a, a very big virgin terrain, with places where we can put a new lifts and maybe we can double our, our actual terrain. With a couple of lifts, we can double the, the actual terrain, the groomed one and the non-groomed one. And uh, I think that uh, now we don't have a defined plan, no? 
but uh, I think that uh, they are going to to put money on in, in lifts and snowmaking is the main thing that they envision that they have to do. And also maybe in parking, parking lots, because if we are going to grow in the mountain, we are going to grow in the visitors. So we have to have places for them to, to, to park the cars or the buses or, or however they come, they, they come here. Uh, and I think that it's a very big opportunities here to, to do those things. And uh, snowmaking uh, is very important, obviously. And uh, I, I think that maybe a couple of ski lifts. I don't have something special because it's nothing defined yet, but we are working with them and, and looking for places where we could uh, grow. If we today th- we think we are the most important resort in, in, in the Southern Hemisphere, I think that, we, as, as I told you before, we can double our ski terrain with a couple of lifts. So let's talk first about potential for lift upgrades. Ricardo, I'm looking at your map and Bionovato has quite a few surface lifts and we're a little bit spoiled here in the United States in that mostly we use chair lifts and then there's some surface lifts in the beginner areas and then there's some high alpine areas like at Crested Butte for example where you might take a T-bar but talk about the prominence of surface lifts at Bay Nevado why there's still so many J-bars and T-bars and if there's any of those specifically that you would like to upgrade at the beginning of the ski industry in Chile all the resorts have Mainly surface lifts, only a couple of chairs. Then they start putting new chairs and more chairs. And we still do have, a, 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 as you mentioned, a lot of a surface lifts. But because yeah, when the French did it, you know, in France, they, they do have a lot of a surface lifts in, in their resorts. And uh, obviously, I would like to change some, uh, some of the, our uh, surface lifts for uh, chair lifts. But if we are going to invest money today, if MCP asks me, what do you prefer to replace a surface lift for by a, a chairlift or to put a chairlift in a new place? I would answer them, I prefer a new lift in a place, in a new place. Because uh, there is another condition that is interesting to, to, to consider. That is, here is sometimes it's, it's, it's windy. So uh, when it's windy, uh, the lift, the surface lift works very well, no problem. But the chairs, you know, you, they have to store because they, they, they it's up because they have securities for the for the wind. So there are places where maybe we can replace easily a surface lift by a chair lift because of the wind. But uh, Chileans are accustomed, uh, South Americans are accustomed to surface lift, not as you, the Americans. Europeans are accustomed too, but the Americans not not as much. But uh, maybe if our growing process in the future, we'll consider new leaves in new places rather than replacing actual uh, surface leaves by chair leaves. Also because the surface leaves that we have, except by one, uh, normally are short ones, are not so long. We have a very long one that is a Trespuntas one. But Trespuntas, the problem is that it's very windy in the top of, the, of that mountain. So if, if we change it by a chair lift, it would be very hard to get up there because of the wind. So maybe we, we should put a, install a new chair lift in a place where it's more efficient in terms of the, of the wind. When you, when you think about new lifts, Ricardo, do you have any sections that you think are good candidates for new lifts in all new terrain, where would those be in relation to your current trail map? Well, I'm, I, 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 it's something I, I, I cannot tell you because I, we, we have been working on that, but it's something that I, 
I'm, I'm not allowed to tell because it's something that is not decided and it's something that we are looking in. But uh, we have some places uh, in the Tres Punta zone, we have some places in the Valle del Inca zone. Those are the main zones where we can grow. But not in the places where the leaves are now, you know, where in, because we have other valleys there. So tell us about your heli skiing terrain, Ricardo. It's, as I mentioned, thousands and thousands of acres. Is this heli ski terrain, is it directly adjacent to the lift served terrain? Is it up over the mountains somewhere? Just tell us about this terrain, where it is, and what it's like. Well, the heli ski terrain is not actually in the in Valle Nevado terrain. What we do is that we we have a heli ski guides, and we have a contract with a helicopter company, and the helicopters fly from our heliport with our guides, and they fly around ten minutes to the east in terrains that are owned by the government, that uh, we have a market them, we work on them during the summer and we put some, uh, you know, radio antennas and uh, in case we have some accident, we do, our guides go there and do some avalanche control. And, and uh, it's very interesting because we, we have some uh, places with close to 7,000 feet vertical drop. Wow. No, it's amazing. I, I, I've done it many times and it's a, believe me, it's something very, very nice to do. And when, when they come back, when they come back, the helicopter, the, the helicopter didn't go back to the heliport, but they drop them in the, they drop off them in a, in a, in part of our terrain. So they, they, the skiers come back skiing. But there is another chance that there are places that do you take a ski lift. For example, you go to the Tres Puntas, and then you go down for places that are not part of that are part of our property. But uh, uh, you can ski down, 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 and the only way to go back is coming back uh, by helicopter. That is a, a short flight. But uh, the good experience is to go a couple of valleys to the east, and that's where not only our uh, heli, heli ski works only. Also, the heli ski that operates in La Barba, and uh, there are some heli ski operations in Santiago that the, the helicopters depart from the heli heliports in Santiago, and and then they, they fly to the mountain because there is some people who come to Chile to do heli ski that want to stay in Santiago because Santiago is uh, is down, is easy to have more restaurants, more night nightlife, you know, and uh, so they can do it from Santiago, but many of them prefer to do it from here because we have a very huge operation and we have very good uh, ski, uh, heli ski guides. And it's a, for us, the safety is very important. We haven't had accidents. Uh, so it's uh, for us, it's, uh, we are very concerned about that and our customers know that. So you mentioned that you could ski over to La Parva and you can also ski over to El Colorado. So talk about that experience of being able to ski between Bayou Nevado and your two neighboring resorts and what it's like when they're both fully open and skiers can just go from one to the next and enjoy all that terrain. Yeah, it's very easy to get to one of, uh, of the other because, uh, for example, from Bayou Nevado to La Parva, the connection is in the higher part of Bayou Nevado in El Valladolid or El Ancla, and they connect directly to the highest part of La Parva. And in the case of El Colorado, the connection is through the Conoeste, 
that is a T bar, it's a very steep one. Uh, in the case of Ricorado, it's more for ex more advanced uh, skiers. In the case of La Barba, it's, it's, a, it's an easy connection. And it's a very nice uh, connection because, uh, you know, it's uh, the combination of the three uh, resorts is a very huge uh, resort. It's probably that you can ski the three of them in the same day because it's, it's not so easy. But our customers, for example, the, the, the hotel guests uh, that come for a, for a week, normally they, they do they ski here and one day they go to Corral and one day they'll go to La Barba. We sell them. In the case of, a, of customers from the United States that stay here for a week, we give them for free uh, one ticket to go to La Barba and one ticket to go to El Corral. It's part of the of hotel package. So it, it's very easy. And we have a, a season, an interconnected season pass. Uh, so people who own condominiums in La Barba or in Valle Nevado that have friends or, or relatives or want to ski in the two resorts, they can buy an interconnected season pass with El Corral or with La, or with La Barba or with the two of them. So it, it works with no problem. What about if you're skiing with your Icon Pass or your Mountain Collective Pass or your Power Pass? Do you need to buy an upgrade to go over to El Colorado or La Parva, or does your does your ticket include all three? No, in the case of the Icon Pass or the Mountain Collective Pass, they only can ski here in Valle Nevado. But if they want to ski to in La Barba, they have to buy the, the La Barba ticket because the Mountain Collective or the Icon Pass, what they do is that they come here with the they show their icon pass, and we give them our uh, tickets, day tickets. It depends on what kind of icon pass they have. They can have two, four, more days. And uh, what happens then is that icon pass, icon pays us uh, for that, uh, that, that, that bill. They, they don't have to pay. If you own an icon pass and you want to come to ski to Chile, you don't pay, but icon pays us. Yeah? Uh, but if, if if an icon pass holder wants to go to to La Barba or Coral, it's uh, they have to pay the full 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 rate. So this is your fifth season as an icon pass partner, and I believe as a Mountain Collective Pass partner as well. How has that partnership worked out, and why did you join those passes to begin with? Well, it's interesting. We started working with a Mountain Collective. A, couple of years ago because we wanted to be more known in the States uh, and we we saw that as an opportunity. We hired a guy as an advisor from us, a guy from Canada, and he helped us with it. He is a guy who worked in uh, in Whistler and he helped us to be part of a mountain collective and uh, we started working with them. For them, it was important to have an, an ski resort in South America because they had in Canada, in, in, uh, in North America, in Japan, in in, in Australia, and they wanted to have some uh, ski resort in, in South America, and we became part of that. But then Icon Pass was born, and, and Icon Pass was born mainly from a mountain collective because it was a, a, an association between a KLS and a Aspen, you know, and we became part of a Icon, and it's a, in commercial, it's more important for, for us to be part of Icon uh, because. Uh, we receive a lot of uh, skiers from Icon. Last year, for example, Icon paid us uh, close to three hundred thousand uh, dollars from people Icon pass holders who came here, uh, and uh, they do a lot of marketing and showing videos of Bayan Nevado. They do a lot of advertising with that. We we do some events in in their resorts. They do events here, so for us it's been a very good uh, partnership, and. Uh, 
Well, now we are going to be part of Power Pass, that is a pass that is owned by, by MCP. And uh, we still have a contract with the Icon Pass until 2025 when we were in the negotiation with MCP. That's some, some of the things we, we talk with them that uh, we, we still have to stay in, in Icon until 2025. And uh, we asked permission to Icon and Mountain Collective to be also part of the power pass and, and, and they said okay it's no problem and, and we are uh, now working with the MCB to to see how does it going to work the the integration of our ski season pass with their power pass uh, we for the moment we have agreed that the our pass holders have to pay an amount 200 dollars and they can ski uh, 12 days in the United States in their resorts and and the the pass the power pass holders can ski. I, I if I remember, I think it's seven days here in Valle uh, Nevada. It's something interesting for for both of us in terms of marketing. You know, Chilean people goes to ski to the states. Uh, many of them goes to mainly to the most known uh, resorts, the big the big ones. But uh, in the case of uh, the MCB, they have resorts in Colorado and they have resorts in in Utah that they may, maybe are the most visited places for Chilean skiers. And uh, maybe we can do some things interesting in the future. For example, there are two ski clubs, competition ski clubs uh, here in Valle Nevado. They go to train to the States and maybe they can go to, to train to, to their resorts. But there are a lot of things that we are talking with them and make them happen. So it's a, I think it's a win-win situation for, for both. Are you considering keeping Bali Novato on the Icon Pass and the Mountain Collective Pass past 2025? Is that a possibility or do you think that you'll withdraw and focus on the Power Pass? Well, it's something we have not decided yet. In the case of a, a Mountain Collective, I think that the contract ends next uh, year winter. And in the case of uh, Icon, it ends on uh, 2025. It's something we have to, to talk with MCB mainly. And uh, with uh, with Icon, uh, it, it's going to be up to them to to, to decide if they, they want us to be part of a, that partnership. For us, as I mentioned, Icon is very important in terms of money because uh, not as much as a uh, Mountain Collective. Mountain Collective is more important in terms of uh, marketing, in terms of awareness, be known in the states. But uh, the Icon Pass is, is important in terms of uh, the visitors that come come from the states to. Many of the hotel guests that come from the States to, to Chile uh, do have a, a, an Icon Pass, so something that we, we have to decide with them. Uh, the closing was on, at the end of, uh, of March, and we were just facing our, our season. So uh, I think that the, those are the things that we have to, to talk with them and sit with the, with the MCP and, 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 our, and our staff and say, okay, let's keep it or not, and we are going we are going to make a, a proposition to them and, and, and then decide together. Maybe Icon is not interested or maybe they are they are interested. The same with the MCP. So you draw a lot of skiers from the United States and, as you mentioned, from Brazil and other areas of the world. Do most international visitors stay in the village? You mentioned a lot of folks stay down in Santiago. Just tell us what that mix is like. And then what is the village experience like if you decide to stay up in the mountain? Well, the, the village experience is uh, that here we own three hotels and here we have uh, 10 uh, condominium buildings. 
uh, it's around uh, 400 apartments and we have 250 hotel uh, rooms and uh, here we have a what we provide to our hotel guests and the, the people that is in, are in the condominiums is that we we run five restaurants in the in our hotels plus a restaurant that is not uh, run by us but is uh, run by a third party uh, we have a so we have a, a in terms of food we have a italian food french food uh, you know uh, an international buffet chilean food uh, we have a, a, the food experience uh, is very good, the uh, food and wine. The wine experience is so good because, you know, Chilean wines are very well known. And we have a, a lot of uh, activities with, a, we have a, a, a pub with a music, live music, and we have nightlife. Uh, so it's a, it's a nice uh, experience uh, to be here, up here. I think that to stay up in the mountain is better than to come for the day every day because, you know, it's uh, the difference of, the altitude of Santiago is, Valle Nevado is at close to 10,000 feet high and Santiago is uh, 2,000 feet high, a little bit less than that. So if you if you have to go up and down every day and maybe you know the, the road, uh, uh, <laughs> it's, not a nice, it's not a nice road to, to do every day. Uh, right. So uh, to, to stay up here in the mountain, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, interesting. Uh, so I, I recommend it uh, better than going up and down every day. Uh, other possibilities are to stay in Farallones, that is a small village close to Valle Nevado, but it, it, in that case you need a car. In, in the case of international uh, uh, visitors, I don't recommend them, when they ask me to, I don't recommend them to, to rent a car. Uh, because if you rent a car to come here, you are going to, to pay for a car that is going to be parked <laughs> the, right. the, the whole time so the, it's better to, to there, is, there is transport direct from the airport to, to Valle Nevado you can also come by helicopter if you want but they, there are vans and small buses that depart from the airport and come to, to, to Valle Nevado and that's my recommendation and we have a lot of activities uh, we we have a lot of activities for, for our guests because the ski time ends at 5pm and then uh, you have a couple of hours to, to do things and you, we have a, a small spa, we have a, a gym, we have, a, you know, as I mentioned, we have different restaurants and we have a, a, a nightlife. So it, it's a nice resort to be to be here. So tell us about that road, Ricardo, because it is wild and it is scary for people who are not used to that kind of thing. Tell us about the experience of driving up from Santiago to Valle Nevado. Well, it's interesting because, um, as you mentioned, it's a, it's a road with a, a, a lot of switchbacks. You know, it's 40 switchbacks until you the, you arrive to, to Farallones. And then from Farallones to Valle Nevado, it's a different road because it's a road that was made by the French. So it's a road that has a, a different standard. The road from Santiago to Farallones, I wouldn't say it's, it's a dangerous one if you drive carefully. I do it every week, so uh, I can tell you that uh, I haven't had any, any problems. But obviously, when it uh, after a snowstorm, uh, after a, a big snowfall, is is more complicated because uh, sometimes there are many cars uh, going up, and not every, not all the drivers know how to, to drive on on the snow conditions. But is if you come here for a, I don't know four days or a week, you're going to use the road two times when you are going up and when you're when you're going down, 
And uh, we, we as Vallenebao work with very experienced uh, companies. That, and you know, it's in, interesting because it's a road that has not too many accidents. I, I, I could tell you that in the, in the last 10 years, I haven't heard of uh, important accidents with people who have died or something like that. No, it's a, normally a road that everybody looks with a lot of respect so they don't go so fast. Obviously, there are some uh, bus drivers or, or, or some drivers. There is some people that is very in a hurry and they want to be very soon. And, and the funny thing is that they it took them maybe five minutes less than the, the one who, who right. driving normally. Huh? But uh, it's it, yeah. it's a uh, it's a uh, well, it's part of the adventure. Huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it was a lot of fun. You know, I I haven't done the, the ride in a while. I rode up in one of those mini buses where they kit you out for the day and they rent you the skis and the lift ticket and they drop you off right there at the resort. And I don't know if I just happened to be with a really aggressive bus driver, but he was passing on blind curves and there was no guardrails. Is that still what the experience is like? Have they modernized that road at all? Or, or, or is it still kind of these switchbacks with no guardrails going all the way up? No, no, no. The road, uh, I don't know how many, how, how long ago you, you can, but... Uh, but today, 2005. 2005. No, the, the road today is... Uh, is in, in much more safe conditions. Uh, it has word rails in all the switchbacks, and and, and I can, I could tell that it, they have word rails in all the roads. So, and the police is, uh, you know, today they are patrolling the road, and they because they 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 don't need to be patrolling. They just there are places where they stand and they look what happens. So, if somebody's doing a, I don't know something very. Uh, dangerous uh, driving, they stop them and they give them a ticket. So there is a lot of control. So uh, today, I, I, as, I, as I told you, I haven't heard of uh, accidents in the last, uh, I don't know, 10 years or maybe more. Since I've been working here, I, I uh, as a general manager, I think that I, I, I remember one, one accident where a guy died, but because it was a, a day with uh, very icy conditions and the driver maybe was driving fast, but uh, then they put a lot of wear race. So Today, is a, I, I can say it's a safe road, but obviously it's a road that uh, if you are coming to Valle Nevado, you, you cannot be chatting uh, <laughs> yeah. on your iPhone because you're going to get dizzy. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's an hour and a half from, from the airport, so it's not so much. Yeah, it's great to hear that it's a safe experience. I, I would recommend anyone do it at least once. It is absolutely spectacular, as you said, going from 2,000 feet up to 10,000 feet. And, and just there's nothing like the Andes Mountains. They are so gorgeous. So last question for you here today, Ricardo, is you mentioned snowmaking and MCP is legendary for their snowmaking prowess. What is your current snowmaking system look like? And ultimately, how would you like to improve that? When the French sold the company and they was you know, the company was bought by the Chilean owners, the first season that they operated the resort was a dry season, not not too much. Snow. So they invest in snowmaking, and they invest in a snowmaking system, SMI, an American company, and, uh, in the lower part of the the resort that was the most uh, impacted by the the drop. And uh, in 2016. We doubled it uh, with uh, Technolpine, a new uh, a, a European company. So we have two systems, that, but they, they talk uh, each of them. And uh, we have been talking with the 
MCB to to grow on, on snow making uh, and maybe we will have to build a new water pond to store water and uh, also to invest in new uh, snow guns to cover more uh, areas that are uh, most uh, impacted in case of a, a lack of snow or but also in case we have uh, a lot of wind because there are some areas that are very exposed to wind and, and then when it's too windy the, the snow blows and, and we need to to make snow in those areas in those areas because when you make snow and, and then you, you go with the, the snow cats you have a very good base yeah? and it's something we are we are we are working on them and we are working on a because here is an uh, the environmental laws are very strict so we are working on on the on the permits to be prepared in case uh, that we are going to do something next summer what is your water situation like there, Ricardo? Do you have water up that high? Do you have to draw it from down low? And and what's the permitting process look like for that? You know, in, in Chile, with respect to water, you have to have water rights. Huh? And uh, we do have water rights up here in the mountain. And uh, what we do is that we have uh, three water ponds. In total, we can uh, store around uh, 31 million gallons. And that water is uh, that we store during the, the summer. And you know, during the smelting process, during the melting process, uh, we store the water. And uh, that water, we use it during the winter to store making and also to provide water for drinking water. Huh? And uh, we are analyzing two things. One is to to build a new water pond for and to buy new more water rights, but also uh, we are looking to to work with the reclaimed water because you all the water that we use in the apartments and the and the hotels is treated according to environmental laws in Chile. We have to treat it before it goes back to the. To a river and then goes back to Santiago, huh? uh, and that water is then is used in Santiago. And uh, so with that, we had a project and we talked with the people of MCB, and that's something they do in the snowball actually. And uh, we want to do that in Chile, and, and we are going to be the first one in Chile to, to make snow with the reclaimed water. And it's very interesting because uh, the water we process during the winter is around. I could tell you it's around. Uh, 23 million gallons, so that we throw them to the mountains and we could use it to make snow. And then in the spring and summer, that water would go back to, to Santiago again. So in that case, it is something that it, I, we think we, we are not going to have problems. And the, the permits we do need is only to build a new pond because uh, we, Valle Nevado, it's in a nature sanctuary, same as Colorado, same as, uh, as La Parva. So we have to ask for some permits to make any construction here. Uh, but it's, it's an easy thing to do. So you don't own the land? The land is government land? No, the land is not government land. It's a private land. Part of the land is owned by us. And that's where we have the hotels. And and that's where we have built all the condominium buildings. And uh, the main part of the, the ski terrain is part of this private uh, land where we have a lease contract for 100 years. And that uh, contract, uh, this contract ends on uh, 2085. I'm not. Okay. I'm not going to be here to to, 
<laughs> well, you never know. <laughs> Lots of exciting stuff between now and then. Listen, Ricardo, I greatly appreciate your time today. This was my first podcast adventure into South America. I think I need a return visit to check out all the things going on out there, down there. I really wish you the best of luck. I cannot thank you enough for your time today and your insight. So thank you and best of luck with this winter. Enjoy it. Okay. Thanks to you. And I hope you come to Valle Nevado where we can meet personally and ski together. I would love that. That's Ricardo Margulis, general manager of Valle Nevado, Chile. Awesome. Awesome job, Ricardo. Really incredible to learn about Chilean ski culture. If you all haven't been down there, I would highly recommend it. The Andes make the Rockies look like the Poconos. There is really nothing else like it on Earth. Thank you all very much for listening. It may be July, but I am busy cranking out podcasts. On the docket are the leaders of Trollhagen, Wisconsin, Platykill, New York, Great Divide, Montana, and Mount Snow, Vermont, and many, many more. We are booked with podcasts through January 2024 and beyond, believe it or not. To get those episodes the moment they're live, please subscribe to the Storm Skiing newsletter at stormskiing.com. New pods appear in your email box several hours before syncing with the podcast services, including Apple and Spotify. There are free and paid tiers of the newsletter and paid subscribers do receive podcasts three days before everyone else. You can also follow The Storm on Twitter and Instagram at Stormski Journal. Until next time, stay well, stay safe. I'm Stuart Winchester, and I will talk to you again very soon. The Storm Skiing Podcast is a Quicksilver Films production.